Hello, and welcome to Tamra Talk Circular. In our latest podcast, Jürgen Priesters, SVP Business Development at Tamra, talked us through the first 100 years of waste collection systems in Germany and the current state of affairs. In the second episode, we discuss what can be done now and in the future to ensure that we meet recycling quotas and accelerate the transition towards a circular economy. Let's pick up the conversation where we left it. We are still not being able to meet quotas, correct? Because there's not enough material, I understand. This is correct. From the, let's say, old measurements, yeah. we, sub several member states were able to fulfill quotas. But if you adopt now the new measurement method and make a real calculation, and I really on purpose call it real calculation material, uh, there's not one European member states able to fulfill quotas. Okay, so we have to do something. We definitely have to do something. And what can we do? Even more me too. In that quotas from a sorting center, you know, there are still a lot of people who, who think that the yellow bin is the plastic bin, which is not fully correct. So you can easily see that even if you have a, you know, a screen for your spaghettis, which is not the packaging plastic, but it's a plastic. The majority of humans, they put this plastic, even though it's not a packaging material, into the yellow bin. Or sometimes you find a bobby car in the yellow bin. Really? Of course. Yeah, you know, they are used and maybe broken, so I cannot take it out and give it to your grandkids. But anyhow, <laughs> so um, these materials, film or the screen or a bobby car, is sorted out. It is recycled. It's not the packaging material, but it's still counted as it would be a packaging into the packaging recycling quotas. So there are plenty of influencing factors and plenty of, in a way, miscalculating issues. Okay. But we still have to be able to meet these quotas. Yes. And, and that is what we said plenty of times. And we do have a lot of examples worldwide that a big portion or in, in a lot of countries, the majority of packaging materials um, are not in the right bin, which is sorted and recycled. And some countries don't even have a separate bin. And some countries do not even have a separate bin. So that is exactly what, what we do in, at the moment, more than 300 sorting plants, which do take residual waste bin, that we really focus on the packaging material or even broader because, you know, plastic is an issue. So we should always talk, in my understanding, about the plastic and not limit us to the 40% of the plastic, which is packaging. So that is what we do successfully in more than 300 plants in Europe to take the plastic material even out of other waste streams than the separate collected one. We sort it out, we sell it to the market, and it is recycled in the same way. Of course, we know pretty well that companies, politicians, they still have the understanding that Materials coming from this residual waste bin cannot be recycled, but that is to 100% not correct. Okay, so the technology exists and we have proven it, you have proven it, Jürgen, that it can be not only yeah, actually recycled and not necessarily downcycled. It's possible to recycle this material with the technology we have today. 
We just have to get to that material. So we, we still dispose, and I call insulation and maybe being used as fuel in a way disposal, beside all the landfills still existing in, in the member states in you. I'm pretty sure for the planet, for us, for our kids, for environmental and financial reasons, we need to get access to all the valuable materials, which is today in whatever way disposed. And the issue is, you know, once a material is burned, you cannot get it back. It's lost. It's definitely lost. And that is what we have already said that by more than 300 sorting plants we have equipped with our technology, it's a proven concept that we can sort it out. And further more important, that this material can be recycled without downcycling. So not telling that, you know, we need waste bins and bags and we need some, you know, products which are not the high quality products. It's anyhow better than using virgin materials. But all this material, and now I really make a comment, independent from the waste source, can be recycled to more or less the same product with more or less the same properties. So even high, high quality recycling is possible. Very high quality recycling. So to give you some examples, me to, to take a polypropylene, which is one major plastic polymer. Can you, can you give an example of what, what's made out of these materials, an end product? Polypropylene, for example, is a buttercup, it's a yogurt cup, it's a shampoo bottle okay. or a detergent bottle. That are some typical... Things we use every day. Things we use every day. So proven with all these plants being up and running and our own investment in the washing line and recycling line, it is proven that we can take a shampoo bottle, for example, out of whatever waste bin and bring it back and recycle it back to a shampoo bottle. And that is definitely, first of all, circular and for sure not in a way downcycling. That's truly closing the loop. That is truly closing the loop. And that is our aim, you know, that we started this journey, our journey, as usually being a technology provider, that we want to demonstrate that this is possible. And on top of that, and that is for a lot of companies, very important, even you can do it financially in a proper way. So it's not only the technology, really. It's, it's people like yourselves who have been in the business for some time who actually have the knowledge of the processes um, of what works in terms of how the plant should be set up, um, what sort of materials we need. It's really the combination of the technology plus the knowledge of what's going on and how to make these products recyclable. This is, this is really the big thing, right? Yes. So first of all, you need this kind of entrepreneurship, the willingness to do so. And, you know, being a technician, there's always a solution, whatever that is. But even more important, in my history, it's really the first time I see that the entire value chain is talking to each other. And uh, even if some petrochemicals would listen to this podcast, you know, especially the petrochemicals, they always produced and disposed. And I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought this up. Why is this happening now? Why is there so much collaboration across the value chain? Because of us, we put the pressure. We go more for buying our shampoo in a, at least partly recycled bottle than entirely virgin. So 
the inhabitants or the citizens, they push the entire industry. Guys, you know, we do not want to see plastic in a turtle or in a fish and all these things. So, and as all of us, we know, it was a massive communication in press and television and everything. Each and any day, you know, they showed pictures from plastic being somewhere where it should not be. Of course, not in Europe, more in, in countries far away. Even in Europe, we do see litter, maybe not so much marine litter, but we do see environmental litter. So even here, we, we have issues. But we see a percentage of the produced amount. Whilst other countries, you know, they, they talk about 50% from the production ends up somewhere later. So the awareness raised and humans, we citizens, they really put the pressure on the entire value chain. Guys, we need to do something. And that is finally was ending that, especially the producers, so the petrochemicals, and I would say all of them, they have understood that's not the way going forward. So in the last years, Due to this awareness, you can see pledges that each and any of these companies, they want to be more or less CO2 neutral in the next years or save at least 50%. We talk about recycled content. They want to bring themselves, and they have to, bring themselves into this recycling business. And that is something in my career new. And now it really starts from design for recycling, which is a big topic. Because if the design is wrong, we cannot sort, you can recycle, and so on and so forth. Um, to the collection, to the sorting, technology again, recycling technology, and then finally being washed, flake sorted, palletized, to be reused in a circular way. So that is really, in my career, the first time ever the entire value chain talks to each other. And all of us, we have the same target. We need to change the today's situation massively. So at this point, I would like to thank those consumers out there who are putting the pressure on all of us to do our job um, and just say, keep it up. So thanks to all of you. Jürgen, let's, uh, let's move 10, 20, 30 years into the future. What trends, practices do you foresee in the waste management and in moving towards a circular economy? First of all, I see, and that is valid for all materials, that because of several reasons, it is CO2, it is environmental awareness, um, it is money saving. So a lot of influencing factors drives the industry to do much better than in the last years. Very important. So I can see that in the future, if, if I come back to your time uh, horizons or 20 years, I would say there's nothing valuable which is finally disposed, burnt, dumped. That's optimistic. It's very optimistic. I'm an optimistic guy, as you know. So I see that trend. So, and even you can see it already in a public domain that more and more companies, they say it's not enough to take, you know, the, the separate collective material streams and dispose 60% of that material, which is still in the non-right fraction. So the awareness race and other waste streams will be sorted and taken all the valuable materials out, whatever that is, metals, glass, paper, plastics. That is a trend which we see already today and which 
for sure, if you ask me, will increase massively. And that is driven again by the consumers and also by legislation, probably. Legislation plays, of course, a big role because in some areas, you still need to finance a little bit of that. And I'm, I'm really happy that legislation is putting a lot of targets, clarifying measurement methods, for example, as we have discussed. That's very, very helpful. On the other way, um, in some areas, legally, it's just supported what technically is easy to do. So I give you an example on that. If we go back to PET beverage bottles, which is worldwide known that it can be recycled back to a bottle. They do it in Uzbekistan, in Canada, in Germany, all over the globe. And it is, in many countries, it is already the case since ages that the PET bottle could be made out of 100% recyclate. And a lot of companies are doing so. A couple of years later, um, the politicians, they set the target, at least a PET bottle needs to contain or needs to have 30% recycled content. It's very good, so not having said something different, it's very good that they do so. On the other hand, being a technician, you know, 100% is from the technical point of view, easy to do. So in some areas, you know, the legislative is a kind of supporting everything, which is very good and very helpful. But from the other points, as I said, from the techni technical point of view, for example, we could do even much, much better than today. Yeah, but it sounds to me like uh, the, we need some incentives in order to satisfy the technology, for lack of a better way. We need to find ways to actually push whether it's industry, yeah, industry, brand owners, and all of these parties to really do what, what technology allows them to do. And that's what legislation does. 100% agree to that, me too. Um, yeah. I would even go further. That was, as many of, of us know, that was one of the reasons for us not being actively in sorting, washing, and all these things, having invested in this demonstration line, which all of us know, to show and to demonstrate that Whatever we have discussed right now is possible. Which demonstration line are you talking about? We have invested in our own demonstration line when it comes to pre-sorting and washing and post-sorting, really to demonstrate for each and any material what we have just discussed is possible. So we can go circular with the majority of all plastic types. And in that plant, uh, as I said, it's a demonstration line. It's not a very commercial plan, just to demonstrate. It's, we say in German language, Eierlegende Wollmilchsau. So it's a plan foreseen to take whatever kind of polymer. It can be PET trays, it can be PVC, which is, to many of our listeners, maybe the bad material. Uh, polypropylene, polyethylene, which is big shampoo bottles and so on. All these materials can be recycled to a top class quality and more, even more important to a constant top class quality. And in this plant, is it mechanical, chemical? What kind of recycling is this? We do chem uh, mechanical recycling entirely. So we do not have any demo demonstration plant or whatsoever in chemical recycling. Chemical recycling will play for sure um, a, a role. And different technologies are, to my understanding, complementary to each other. 
at this demonstration plant, chemical re recycling will play a role, or are you saying in general? No, in the demonstration plant, chemical recycling will not play a role. So we concentrate on the materials we can recycle mechanically, as I said, to constant top quality. But probably, you know, the side streams from such a mechanical recycling plant is a nice feedstock for a chemical recycling process. So that's the reason that I said different recycling technologies for sure uh, will exist. And in many cases, they're very complementary to each other. So before we lose these, you call them side streams, before we lose this material, it's better to put them through chemical recycling um, so that the material can be used again, correct? Yes. But even, you know, even the, each and any recycling process, whatever it will be, has limits. And there's, at least at the moment, there's no chemical recycling process which can take waste. So for whatever process you talk, we talk about, mechanical, chemical, the different chemical recycling processes, um, each and any of these processes needs a very dedicated, specified input material. You cannot take whatever mix or even the entire waste into whatever process. That will not work. So you need a kind of pre-sorting, um, purification of certain different polymer or plastic types for each and any of these processes. And then they have advantages against each other. And of course, disadvantages. We've been focused until now, Jürgen, very much on plastics. I know you've mentioned some of the other material streams as well. But we know to get to a really, really circular economy, we also need to look at other material streams, like, for example, aluminum, like textiles, like wood. And I could go on and on. You know that more than I do. What do you see happening with these material streams? As I said, we see in the first European member states countries that all valuable materials have to be sorted out before finally, let's say, destroyed. Um, that is valid for everything. It's for plastic, it's for glass, it's for metals, and even for paper. So, yes, by now, even we are driven from the citizens, uh, our main focus is on all plastic articles and plastic types, whatever that will be, a shampoo bottle or a garden share. But, of course, we do not forget the other materials. So we do concentrate on technologies and allow the value chain to take out other recyclables as well. Due to the technology, we have. So we do take out paper, we do take out carbon. It is maybe a different quality, but everything which can be recycled in a profitable way is better than being, you know, without getting it back, without having a chance to get it back, finally destroyed. So even taking out paper, and paper is really an issue, having it from different mixed waste streams, even the paper we do sort out is recycled. Not for the fantastic white copy paper, for example, or the printing paper, uh, not for, for newspapers, but even in paper you have many applications where you could easily use this kind of paper qualities, or glass qualities, or metal qualities. So the basic principle is valid for everything valuable. And it sounds to me like you're quite optimistic, as you said before, that we are moving towards a truly circular economy across all material streams. You know, that is 
a friend of mine has once said, if the states really mean it serious to go circular and to save as much as possible resources or save as much as possible CO2, then that's the only way forward. At the moment, we do a little bit here and there, and we try to find our, find our way. But just to give you again an example, more, much more than 50% of all plastic in Germany is being burned. More than 50%? More than 50% of plastic. You hear, you know, I'm not, I'm not using the word packaging plastic now, so I'm using the word plastic. But more than, much more than 50% of all the plastic in Germany is still being burned in, and we are very proud of that, one of the world market leading countries when it comes to recycling. And that gives me, you know, if we really mean it serious to go circular and to do whatever is necessary to save resources, to reduce CO2, then that's the only way going forward to recover all valuable recyclable materials. So we simply have no other choice. I would say we do not have another choice. You know, there is this um, movie, Back into the Future. You may have seen that. And in that fantastic uh, stainless steel car, in one of these movies, they put a, a bunch of, or a box of waste into the engine instead of gasoline. So this is a kind of future thinking, you know. We, the waste is valuable. And we will find the solution. Um, I do hope that the politicians, especially the politicians, will in the future maybe not that much, let's say it bad, lobby-driven than today. Uh, if they are flexible to rethink if everything we have done the last 50 years, is it still fully the right system for today? with all available new technologies when it comes to sorting, to recycling. So I, I'm pretty sure if we are allowed to think about making questions behind the today's systems, we could do much better in all sense. Much higher recycling rate, plenty of, of tons of CO2 savings, and saving lots of resources. Jürgen? As I said at the beginning, you've been doing this for over 30 years, and it's clear in our discussions for this episode and the one before this one, a very in-depth discussion. And it's not only a job for you, and if I think anyone that's been listening understands this is really what you truly believe in. You've recently become a grandfather. And let's say, as kids do as they grow up, at some point, she comes to you and she says, so... What have you done for me and my friends to make this world a better place? What can you honestly tell her? Besides giving her some rabbits for her free time, I would definitely say, I would definitely say that, you know, my team and myself, as you said, it's a passion since 33 years. We have really shown and helped to develop the industry. Um, in my early years, I had more than 80 patents really to, to show on large scale that each and any waste can be sorted, that each and any material can be recycled. And that is still our passion. So I would say, because I'm at least in Tomra, one of the older ones in Tomra, a big portion of the today success by treating a lot of waste, by sorting out 
millions of tons of recycled material, we have massively contributed to save already a lot of resources and CO2. And that is based on, of course, not all the other players for sure in the market and a lot, God thanks. But I, I would really, I am very proud that we have massively contributed to enable millions of tons valuable material being today recycled, which again, very proud in some cases would not have happened without us. Jürgen, as always, a true pleasure, very insightful. Uh, and I, I, as always, speaking with you, I have learned again quite a bit. So thank you for your time and for your knowledge. I know you're extremely busy and I appreciate everything you've done for us today. Thanks very much for coming. You too. Thanks for you a lot. Uh, a lot of fun. So whenever you want to come back, every, every time I open. But just as a last sentence, you know, just to clarify, I, we have started to talk about, you know, what happened in 1840 and 1870. That was not a life experience I faced. So I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did say over 30 years. I didn't say over 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jörg. It was a pleasure. Thank you.